We're going to start by reading a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 30, and then we'll move into the book of Hebrews, which is our topic of study. But we want to lay some groundwork from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, and by holding fast to Him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And so he's calling them to a decision point. And as believers, this is what he does in our lives. He calls us to points of decision. He put before them blessing and cursing. And he says, choose life in order that you may live. You and your descendants. And here's how you do it. By loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, through the love of God and through obedience to Him. And by holding fast to Him, for this is your life and your length of days. And even though Israel was promised that land in the covenant given to Abraham, they could very much miss out on that promise, that generation. And he said, he said that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. They obtained promises by obedience. And we'll see that in the book of Hebrews. Now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to continue with the life, the life of uh, uh, Moses. We had read last week how Moses grew up in the house of Pharaoh. From the time he was, he, he was uh, uh, just a very young boy, he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. It says that he was educated in all the understanding and the wisdom of Egypt. It tells us that in Acts chapter 7. And now let's pick it up in Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. It says, by faith, Moses. So what we are looking at is by faith. This whole chapter starts out every portion by faith, by faith. There's an act of faith. It is an act of the will that I will believe in you, God. I will trust you. He calls us to a decision point. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up. So this was not a childish decision. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up. That means he's using his mind. He made a decision. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's a big decision. He grew up in Pharaoh's house and it says Pharaoh's daughter raised him and nurtured him. The very same words that were used for his parents nurturing Moses, Pharaoh's daughter nurtured him. He could well have acted as if he was of the family of Pharaoh. You don't see Moses saying, I am like a, a, a grandson to Pharaoh. Remember, Joseph would say, I am like a father to Pharaoh. It's really interesting that in the portion in Hebrews 
Joseph is juxtaposed right there, right next to Moses. Joseph became Egyptianized. Joseph took great pride in his status in Egypt when he had been exalted. Moses did just the opposite. He claimed not to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. When he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Refusal means that when people would assume or say that he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he would correct them. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So you see here, what we're going to see is this word than. This rather than that. This rather than that. He made decisions. The very same thing that we saw in Deuteronomy. I put before you blessing and cursing. Choose blessing over cursing. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure. Choosing. It is a choice. He made a choice. He chose rather. Remember what it said in in, in Deuteronomy. Choose life. Choose life. Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He made a choice to be identified with the people of God. And remember, the people of God at this time, at Moses' time, were slaves in Egypt. So it wasn't a, a big prideful thing. There was nothing in the human flesh that would want to have him relate to the people of God. An incident recently happened on campus where one of the campus groups had a big event and they made one statement that got into the thresher and that one word of, of, of uh, dignity or something or another was capitalized on and just twisted around and thrown back and people came against this campus group. What you want to do is, as believers, identify with that campus Christian group. Now is the time that you identify with them. He chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God. It is a choice to walk with the decisions that people make for God. He chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He made a choice. And there's a choice laid before us. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He considered this reproach. In other words, the statements made that are negative against God, negative against his Messiah. He chose rather to be part of that group than to enjoy the treasures of Egypt. Because in his mind, he knew that there was a great reward. Now, there are... There are instances where I have said to students, certain things will happen to you. Has this ever happened to you? And nobody raises their hand. And then I talk about a certain instance that will come upon you once in your life. And then all of a sudden it comes upon them like, wow, he told me this will happen. If you have never endured persecution for your stance for Jesus, it will happen. It will happen. Because the scriptures promise us that. It tells us, it tells us in, uh, um, uh, there's, there's another verse in 2 Timothy 3.12. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, All those in, who desire to walk godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All those who desire to walk godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
It's not maybe. If you desire to walk godly in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. So if it hasn't happened to you, it will happen. It will happen. Let me tell you a story from the Rice campus, something that happened in my life on the Rice campus. I invited a speaker to campus once. His name was uh, uh, Hugh Ross. Hugh Ross is a very nice man, not a threatening man. And uh, uh, in fact, he doesn't, he doesn't ever use as a topic something called intelligent design because he feels that there are stronger arguments than just blatantly saying intelligent design for the fine-tuning of the universe. And so what I did is I sent out an email to all the, the graduate students in the department, and I invited them to this event that was going to be taking place. And, and, uh, um, and so I, I invited everybody to, to attend this. The next day, I walked into a, a faculty meeting. It was a subset of the faculty, and this was many years ago. And I walked into the faculty meeting, and everybody was looking, just quiet. I didn't know. Everybody's just quiet today, okay? And then, just as the meeting was getting started, one professor said, I cannot even stay in this room after the email that Jim sent to the department. And everybody's looking around, and I'm looking around at, who is this Jim (laughs) who sent something really bad to the department? I had no idea. I was totally clueless. Then everybody's looking at me. And then he says, it was so inappropriate, I don't even want to stay in this room. And he got up and he walked out. And, and uh, so then the, there was a woman running the meeting that day. And uh, she said, well, why don't we go around and everybody can voice how they feel about this? Now, remember, the meeting wasn't called for this. And so right away, all the assistant professors, the untenured people, ran out. Because the last thing they wanted to do was make statements negative about a person who's going to decide their fate in a few years. (laughs) And then they went around and people started saying things that bothered them. One young lady, one one young professor said, and you, she's looking at me, you, you terrified me when I first came here. I said, "Uh, what did I do? She said, you, you gave me a Bible. I said, you know, I I don't remember that, but I could well have because I give out a lot of Bibles. She said, you're just like my mother. Then it went around and got to one guy. He said, there are three axes of evil in this world. Three axes of evil. One of them is Holocaust denial. Another one is child pornographers. And the third one is Intelligent design. Oh, I didn't know that that was an axis of evil. (laughs) And then it went, everybody said their piece. I didn't say anything. They were just asking other people. And then when she got done, the lady running the meeting, the, the professor running the meeting, she said, maybe we should go around again. Then everybody voiced again. And, and, uh, um, Then they said, you need to go and apologize to that man. In other words, the man who voiced and left, you need to apologize to him. I said, you know, he spoke up and I didn't even get to say anything. There's something called a gulag. That's what they do. One side testifies, the other side says nothing. 
she, she said, you need to go and apologize to him. I said, okay, I'll apologize to him. So anyway, the, there's only one person who had come to my aid, and that was a person who had, at, at, at the time worked in the administration, also was a professor, and he just said, look, this is a matter of free speech. It's a matter of free speech. That's all he said. And anyway, so I, I went to call that man after I got out of the meeting. I called him because I had to leave for the airport. And he would, there was no answer in his office. But I saw he sent an email to the department while we were in the meeting and he left. He sent an email to the department to recommend to all the students and the faculty to exclude my emails from their list. In other words, put it on the, on the do not permit list. So in other words, effectively remove me from the department. So anyway, I had to fly to California that day and, and just really bothered me. I mean, this is bothering me. I mean, what did I do? I just invited a guy. You want to come? Fine. You don't want to come? And in, anyway, so then as, I, as I, was, uh, I was in California and I was in the hotel room and I prayed and just this verse started coming back to me. And the verse is, is actually from, from Matthew. And, it, and uh, um, it's, it's a text where, where it says that... that uh, uh, Pilate was wondering about convicting of Jesus and Pilate's wife came to him and said, have nothing to do with that righteous man, meaning Jesus, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I suffered greatly in a dream because of him last night. And so the Lord just kept speaking to my heart, don't worry, I'm going to take care of it tonight. So I went to bed, I slept like a baby. The next morning I got up and I had my quiet time and then I was checking my emails and there was an email from this guy that had walked out of the meeting that had excluded me. And he wrote this long email to everybody who was in that meeting. And he said, I wrote a long email explaining myself, justifying what I had done, but I couldn't send it. I was up all night. I couldn't sleep. And I feel terrible about what I did. I didn't give Jim a chance to speak. He's been such a great colleague. I will forever regret what I had done. And so God took care of, I mean, just diffused the guy. So anyway, I get back to, to in a few days, I get back to Houston and I saw this, this guy at, at the seminar and I walked up to him and I said, don't worry about it. I said, I am the master of saying things that I regret. I do this all the time. Just don't worry about it. That guy has become my greatest advocate. He eventually became moved up into administration, and he's always stood by my side. Never has been an issue again. I just forgave him. But this feeling in the department didn't go away. I mean, at another point, I gave out books to the entire department, and uh, uh, Christian books to everybody in the department. Same sort of thing happened. Things will rise up against you. There are times when people will rise up against you and start accusing you. Things happen to you. And if it hasn't happened in your life, you make a stand for Christ, it will happen. And you will remember that back to this day that I warned you. Because the scriptures warn us. Let's look at, at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And see what the scriptures have to say in reminding us about other things concerning this same topic. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, now when he says beloved, means he's speaking to believers, not unbelievers. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, 
keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the, scripture, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. Skip down to verse 19. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. So what he says back up at verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal. So remember this. When it hits you, all of a sudden, you're going to walk into something totally unsuspecting and your colleagues come against you because of your testimony of Jesus Christ. Don't go, what happened? Just don't be surprised. Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. It is going to happen. Just remember, oh, remember that that professor, that guy, what's his name? He told me, he told me that would happen. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing. In other words, God allows this into our lives for our testing. As though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. He says, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. That means if you share just a little bit of the sufferings of Christ... You rejoice just a little bit. But if you share a lot in the sufferings of Christ, you rejoice a lot. That's what it means. To the degree that you suffer, rejoice. Keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. In other words, you are going to rejoice all the more at the revelation of His glory. So when He returns, because of that event you will be able to rejoice all the more. That's what it says. That's the Scriptures. Believe it. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. In other words, every time somebody comes against you and associates you with evil because of the testimony of Jesus Christ, you are blessed. As it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So he says, rejoice when this happens to you. Rejoice. He says that if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. You are blessed when people come against you. So in other words, this is going to happen. You can be like, what? what's going on? It's just what he promised would happen. It's for your testing. Now, God is looking all around, saying, looking at His angels, how are we going to bless that person today? Look at what they're going through. Let's figure out how we can really, really bless them today. That's exactly what it says. When you're going through that, it says, you are blessed. You are blessed. There is a guaranteed blessing from God that descends upon you when you undergo persecution for the name of Christ. So when this happens to you, look up and just say, wonder what's going to come to me today. I wonder how God is going to bless me today. 
because the spirit of the glory of uh, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So God comes in a very special way, and He rests upon you in these times. A lot of times in hotels, I don't sleep very well. That night, I slept really well because the Spirit of God was just upon me and He was like, let's, let's just bless Him with extra good sleep today. He just blesses you. The Spirit, the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you, especially in that time. He says, now make sure none of you suffers as a murderer or evildoer or troublesome meddler. Then the trouble you get, you deserve. He says, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, he says, he says, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. If he suffers as a Christian, there are jobs that I have not gotten because of my position in faith. And I know that because people have told me. They'll come back and they'll tell me, or someone in that organization will tell me, here's what happened, here's the discussions that were going on. It says, he says, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. He gives us specifically what to do. This is a checklist of what's happening and what to do. So Moses, he made a decision to follow God, which cost him the reproach of Christ came upon him. That means that the things that were said negatively about the Jewish Messiah. And think of it. Think of it from their perspective. Think of it. Who would want to be a Jew? You, you're, you're a slave. They've got nothing here. They're slaves. All they do is have lots of babies and keep propagating. And they bear this reproach. Moses made a decision, I'm going to be with the people of God. He says, glorify in this name. In verse 19, therefore those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Here is how you overcome. The scriptures say, you, he says, he, he says uh, you overcome, the scriptures tell us, overcome evil with good. You overcome evil with good. How do you overcome evil? You do good acts. When you do good, it overcomes evil. Being passive and just not doing anything is not doing good. You overcome evil with good. I walked up intentionally to this guy and I forgave him because if you walk up to somebody in the world and you say, I forgive you, they almost feel like, ah, who made you God? Because they don't understand Christian forgiveness. You walk up to a Christian, you say, I forgive you. It means a lot means a lot for the, for the recipient to hear that. But you walk up to somebody in the world and you say, I forgive you. They're like, you know, who made you so holy? But if you just say, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's all right. That's their way of understanding that you've forgiven them. And I just said, don't worry about it. And I, what I wanted to do was to tell him, I understand. You say things you regret. I am the master at saying things that I regret. I do it all the time. Ask my wife. I'm always asking for forgiveness because I say things that I shouldn't say. All the time. And, uh, uh, and so when I told him that, I'm identifying with him and he immediately, you know, just disarms him 
They just say, look, this happens to all of us. Don't worry about it. And the guy turned around and became my greatest advocate, such that when he was being brought up into positions in administration in the university, they don't do that blindly. They'll ask certain faculty, tell us about this person. And so when he was being brought up, I would even tell them about this occasion where he came against me and then he came back and said, hey, I was wrong. And he sent an email to everybody because that speaks volumes when they understand that, that, that the guy could, could retract because a lot of times people never retract. And it's allowed him to move up and up and up in, in administration and he's continued to be my advocate. You overcome evil by doing an act of good. So whenever people come to me and they say, you know, I have, I, I have trouble with my boss, my boss is this, my, I say, what does your boss like? What does he like? So one young lady said, I don't know, just, you know, he's always talking with these guys about hunting and they go, I said, oh, okay, here's what you do. You go to, to the bookstore and you buy, you go to Barnes and Noble and you buy some hunting magazines. Buy some magazines on hunting. You know, American Hunter, or whatever it's called. And you go and you give it to him. And so this young lady came back. She said, like, he was blown away. I gave him hunting magazines. And he was really liked it. I said, you know what else they like? Hunters always like a knife. They can never have enough knives. Never have, right? I mean, and, and, and uh, you, women, you want to get a guy something they're always going to like, get him a knife. Even if he's got four knives, get him a knife. And he, he'll, he'll always like that. And, you know, these things, you do an act of good and it turned him around. Another young lady was saying that her boss, was a, who was a woman, said, what is she like? I don't know. I don't know what she... What, does she drink Starbucks? Yeah, every morning she comes, up, comes in with Starbucks coffee. He said, you find out what she takes in her coffee and then you go and buy one for her and bring it to her. This young lady came to me. She said, she was shocked that I brought her this. She was shocked. And then she took me out to lunch, she said. Her boss took her out to lunch. You overcome evil with good. That's what it says here. Therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Overcome evil with good. The scriptures teach us and instruct us in the proper way. You're not alone in this. Jesus knows what you've been through. Turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. This is the prophetic chapter about the Messiah. Isaiah 53. We're going to read verse 7. This is prophetically speaking about the life of Jesus. Isaiah 53. No, we're going to start reading from verse 3. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Think of what they did to Jesus. He was despised and forsaken of men. I don't think anybody really despises me. You might not like me, but despise is a strong word. Jesus was despised and he was forsaken of men. So if you think you're alone in this, you're not. You might get that feeling, but you're not. Jesus knows exactly what you're bearing. He was despised and forsaken of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You have grief in your life. You've lost loved ones. You've, 
if you've undergone depression, you've undergone all sorts of things, that Jesus understands grief. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Man of sorrows is his name. He was a man of sorrows. Do you have sorrow? Jesus knows exactly how you feel. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face. It's like, they didn't even want to look at him. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. So in verse 3, it says he was despised twice. He was doubly despised. Jesus knows exactly what you are going through. Jesus has been there. He was despised and we did not esteem him. He knows exactly what you've been through. Look in, in Psalm 119. Psalm 119. This has brought me encouragement many times. Psalm 119 verse 23. Even though princes sit and talk against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Even though princes sit and talk against me. Think about princes. Princes have got to be the cockiest people in the world. Right? They're young. Their dad is the king. And this is a group of princes. So they're a bunch of spoiled rich kids on steroids. This is what princes are. And they sit and they talk about the psalmist. He says, the, this group of guys sit and make jokes about me. Yet your servant meditates on your statutes. What's the solution? You get in the Word of God. And let the Word of God be your encouragement. You are not alone in this. Even though princes sit and talk against me. You know, these princes are, are putting up on Facebook and Snapchatting all these things about the psalmist. And he says, I'm just going to meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. You let the Word of God be your counselor. Let the Scriptures be your counselor. You get into the Scriptures and they will lift you up. The Scriptures will lift you up. Let the Scriptures be your counselor. I want you to turn back to that first portion we had looked at. And we're going to close with this again. Deuteronomy chapter 30 Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. I call upon you today, make the right decision. Choose that which is right. There will be people who will come against you. And this is the example of Scripture. The Scripture starts out, by faith, Moses, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. For he considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He was looking to the reward. Choose life. Choose life. How do you do it? By loving, in verse 20, by loving the Lord your God. Say, Lord, I love you. You mean more to me than the approval of these people. You mean more to me 
than the approval of these people. By loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice. His voice is heard in the Scriptures. His voice is documented in the Scriptures. You obey the Scriptures. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, John, uh, John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. You love God, you keep His word. And my Father will love Him. And we will come to Him and make our abode with Him. If you keep His word, His Father and Jesus, we will come to Him, He says. My Father will love Him and we will come to Him. Jesus and His Father will come to Him and they will set up their home in your heart. They will bring you great peace. You keep His commands by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice and holding fast to Him. You hold fast. Why do you have to hold fast? Because the world is always trying to knock you loose. You hold fast to Him. For this is your life. What I am sharing with you today is your life. These words of Scripture are your life. It is painted before us in the Scriptures. This is your life. You follow Him. You follow this man of sorrows. Let's pray. Abba Father, I thank you so much for the Word of God, for what you have meant to us through the Scriptures. Father, thank you for the example that Jesus went before us, that he was despised and forsaken of man, men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Father, that whatever our sorrows, whatever our grief, he knows it, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your Word. I pray, Lord, for these young people that when they are persecuted for their faith, when people become against them because of the gospel, that they will remember these words and that they will rejoice according to the degree that the suffering has been cast upon them, that they would rejoice according to that degree. And, Father, that they would hold fast to you, that they would love you, Lord, and trust that you are faithful, a faithful creator, that they will do the good and the right things to overcome evil. Father, that they would overcome evil with good. Lord, I pray that you draw these young people to Jesus. Your grace be there. Draw them to Jesus, I pray. And Father, if there be anybody here who doesn't know you, Father, save a soul today, I pray. Save a soul that they would pray this day, Father, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. Fill me with life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen.